He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. Alright guys, welcome to the Okamo Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host for this evening, Comedy Amrabian, joined by Stephen Brown and Peyton Guthrie. How are we doing today, fellas? Peyton, how are you doing? You're the you're the guest here. Uh, me and Steven are the casuals. How, how's life? <laughs> Life's pretty good, man. I appreciate it. I mean, it, it's... We're kind of in a, a world... It's a glass case of emotions type of a thing right now. I'm like in this box. I'm stuck. Uh, you know, you've got Brent Venables coming down, everyone feeling excited, planes landing, everyone singing Kumbaya, and now we have uh, our five-star defensive tackles, which OU never gets to committing. So now I'm, I'm up and down. I'm a little bipolar, but uh, hopefully we make it through this. Yeah, uh, like we were talking before the podcast, and I was I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to write down what we're going to talk about tonight. And then I'll get some doctoral work done and then watch some of the Thunder game. And I guess I fell asleep on the couch while watching the Thunder game. That's how exciting it is to watch the Thunder these days. I guess they won the night. And then I woke up and looked in um, on my phone and saw that it wasn't even a decommitment post from, from Dindy. It was just, a, I'm committed to Texas A&M. And I was like, well, all of this <laughs> suddenly became way less fun. So yeah. Venables is back. He gets off a plane. Uh, you know, there was rumors the entire day. Are they going to get that job done? Are they going to get the contract done? Are they going to get everything worked out? Venables gets back. Uh, he lands in Norman. He's greeted by hundreds of Sooners fans. What is your knee-jerk reaction to Brent Venables being the new guy at OU once again, despite him being there yeah, like 10, 12 years earlier? Uh, my my knee jerk reaction is, um, and I, I wrote about this earlier today. The knee jerk reaction is this just shows what college football used to be about. When Brent Venables landed on that plane, you've got hundreds of students there, the bands there, the prides there, they got the roughnecks there, the administrations there. Uh, it was a full so show of support, and people were chanting and cheering. And he's getting vibed up about it. That's the kind of stuff that makes college football just extremely special in my mind. And you juxtapose that to Lincoln, the Lincoln Riley video. He just walks off of a plane and shakes the pilot's hand. Brian Kelly meets some dudes in suits. At least LSU had the band there, but it wasn't the same as this was. This was pure college football uh, in my mind. So there's something cool about that that I like. I like seeing that and, and being a part of that, being a part of a fan base that still treats college football more than just you know, a Ponzi scheme to a certain degree, mm. <laughs> you know, like Texas, like a money laundering scheme. Uh, and that's, that's something that's super, super exciting to hear about and see about. Um, is there a scratch in the back of my skull? That's kind of thinking, uh, it's just all the old guys. They're coming back thinking, do you just have to get the guys we know we can get? I'm kind of worried about that, but it seems like he fired half the staff. So maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe no he's shit. not thinking that way. Maybe he's thinking, Let's go get the best guys and win some football games. So I, I'm kind of on both sides of that. I'm excited with a little bit of 
is this some Bob Stoops nepotism style stuff coming back to bite us? Um, but overall, it's I'm pretty pleased, to be honest with you. Steven, now that you can hear us, you are deaf, but now you can hear. Um, a, how are you? And B, what is your knee-jerk reaction to Brent Venables at OU uh, that after the plane landed last night? Uh, I'm, I'm good. It's been a long day. I worked for like 10 hours, and then I basically just threw my laptop down and jumped on so that I think that's I didn't connect something correctly or something like that. So the technical difficulties are resolved, hopefully. Uh, knee-jerk reaction... You know, at first I kind of thought this, maybe they're just because it's the obvious hire. Maybe um, this is something that was easy to do. Um, there's some like familiarity there and you really don't have to risk too much with Brent Venables. And after kind of thinking about it all day, um, I love this hire. I think um, it's a nice blend of a guy who's been very successful um, both on the field and in recruiting. And if you look at what Clemson recruits against, um, they're kind of in this split area between they're competing against the Ohio States and the SEC and all this other stuff. So they have a nice blend of familiarity with that that recruiting zone where they kind of need to get into once they they uh, head into the SEC. So I'm I actually really love this hire. And so what's interesting is that there was a sense of euphoria, maybe nostalgia, and everything in between regarding Brent Venables. Brent Venables as soon as he exits and gets off that plane he greets all the sooner fans he goes signs autographs takes pictures talks to people with the microphone of course today he had a presser uh where he said they're going to employ an exciting fast explosive diapers offense with likely jeff levy combined with the physical punishing relentless suffocating defense that got like a massive applause and cheer because of course, that's what you would want to hear from a defensive guy like brent venables uh those were the majority of his defenses uh, back when he was a coach of this with the Sooners, he also says in recruiting, you won't see the OU logo at mega recruiting camps that OU's hosted in the past. Uh, he says you don't roll up a Rose Rolls Royce commercials. You don't see Rolls Royce commercials ever. He says he's not saying that in an egotistical way, but Oklahoma takes a back seat to nobody, which I thought was really, really interesting because Oklahoma has hosted a ton of mega camps and gone to a ton of those satellite camps. And he's right. Uh, Rolls Royce, you do not see any commercials for them because the brand speaks speaks for itself. And so I guess my first question, and Peyton, I'll come to you, is does this say anything as far as the direction the program is headed recruiting-wise, football-wise, or is this just normal stuff that you're going to hear from a coach as soon as he's hired on? I will say is is a big missed opportunity by uh, Brent to say we're going to play conservative on offense and very passive on defense. So uh, big miss by him to troll everybody. But <laughs> I think the recruiting stuff, hearing that type of thing, um, it's more of understanding what OU should be in the college football spectrum. It's more understanding of what a powerhouse like um, a blue blood get this out of the way blue blood OU is a blue blood OU will always be a blue blood uh some of these other schools that think they are are not um you don't hear those things from them if OU wants to walk in the same room as Alabama it has to walk like Alabama mm -hmm. and in the way to do that is you start acting that way you can talk about it he's talking you know, he's talking about what he wants to do and everything but it, it will be interesting to see OU kind of stop like simping for some of these kids <laughs> to a certain degree and just actually saying you're going to come here and be good or you're not and we're going to get someone else and still be good i know bob stoops i've, I've talked to some people who've been who went to other schools 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but said that was their recruiting. Some of those recruiting pitches, Bob Stoops used to say, was like, what are you bringing to us? And that, that that's going to turn away some kids, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's going to bring in some good football players too. And that's a good point to bring up. I mean, like you said, if you want to be Alabama, if you want to be in the same conference as Alabama, you have to walk like Alabama. I mean, he's, and he's coming from a he's coming from a program that has established nothing but excellence to where people uh, will will we will not say their names live on air that have that have considered Clemson a blue blood because of the recent <laughs> success, uh, because of their dominance over the last <laughs> decade. If we're being quite honest with each other, I mean, despite their blue chip ratio and all the stats nerd stuff. I mean, he's coming from a program that has been dominant in their conference and has been dominant on the national stage and won, you know, been to like what four national titles with Clemson. I think won two of them, maybe should have won a third. And so he knows what it looks like. He knows what those big time programs look like and what they walk like. He, he's one of the ones that beat Alabama for one of those national titles. So he is one that knows best. Uh, Steven, what about you? Uh, same question. Anything to you as far as the direction of the program's headed, or is this just normal stuff that you know new coaches will say that to get to get fans hyped up? No, I think this is a this is gonna be a little bit of a change for Oklahoma recruiting wise because you look at years past. Um, I mean, even with Alabama, I guess you could throw it in there that these schools kind of just throw an offer out, but um, you define it as like an uncommittable offer. So the value of an Oklahoma offer to Brent's argument is is not good at the moment. Uh, no one really values an Oklahoma offer. And what Clemson has done, um, especially recently, is you don't get a Clemson offer unless you camp, you visit, you have to be evaluated in person, um, that kind of stuff. So what he's doing is he's trying to make it almost an exclusive thing to have an Oklahoma offer, whereas under Lincoln Riley, they threw out, you know, 100, 200 plus offers to people that they weren't even really that serious about, but you know, the, you kick the tires with them anyways. So um, I like where it's heading. It's going to be interesting. I don't think every fan's going to love it right away, but uh, I like the direction of it. Yeah. It's interesting to see. I'm, I'm very interested to see what the recruiting it pitches pitches are going to look like down the line, considering Lincoln Riley, uh, the guy is, uh, you know, he's a great recruiter. I mean, we can say that he's a great recruiter of talent and stars, but not necessarily the builder of cultures. And I think OU is kind of getting the opposite. I mean, I mean, Venables himself, he can re- recruit, but he's he's going to be more of a CEO guy now. He's, he's going to be a head coach. He's not going to be on the guy on the defensive side of the ball. That's always there. He's not going to be a coordinator and the head coach at the same time. People forget that OU has to hire not just a coordinator, but a head coach. Uh, Lincoln Riley at two and one. And so Oklahoma is expected to bring in Levy, but retains several other guys on offense. The last time you guys maybe heard about Levy was the stuff with, I mean, with Baylor, uh, with our Bryles, but also maybe the time he was just on the sideline randomly against Tulsa, which was a weird situation (laughs) that Bob got pissed about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my question is with Levy, there's going to be questions, I think, from a lot of people regarding Levy and the Bryle stuff. Uh, Steven, do you think Joe C addresses that, or do they just hope that kind of just falls by the wayside and not too many people ask questions? And if they do ask those questions, that they're met with kind of, well, we vetted them, and so-and-so schools vetted them, like UCF, 
uh, and Ole Miss vetted them and they're <clears throat> they clean. Like, what, what do you expect from that? I think they have to address it at this point because, um, you know, I don't want to relate to the two issues, but you look at how you handled the mixing thing and all the drama that went into that. And now you're bringing in a guy that um, served under Art Bryles, has a connection to Art Bryles, and maybe he wasn't directly responsible, um, but you still have that that association there. So he is a bit radioactive as far as a hire. Um, and I think Oklahoma will need to address it and how they do it. They can do it in a couple of ways. Um, obviously you just look at the leadership, Joe Casiglione, you bring in Brent Venables, who's a very faith driven man. Um, he can think he said that like three or four times today. Um, he, and you just kind of brag about your leadership up top. And the other way you can do it is you just point to your, your over, or overreaching compliance department and all those other things that people have complained about, but now they look like a, a pretty big asset. Peyton, same question. What about you? I think OU has to, um, that, that has to be Brent's first question asked to him in his first, like, you know, press conference back and forth. That has to be question number one, the reporters in that room better not. Uh, the, the issue is, I think it's, it, if you heard a lot of the reporters, there's a lot of we and us <laughs> being said, because mm-hmm. I think they also kind of felt some stuff happening to them when Lincoln left uh, the way he did. So I'm not for sure if he's going to get too many fastballs, but if the hire is made um, and it's announced publicly, the first press conference, that should be the first question. Uh, if you're going to sit there and say, you don't hear Alabama doing this, you don't hear these other schools doing that, then um you can't rely if you're going to say that's the standard at Oklahoma. You can't then say, well, so well, somebody else vetted him. You can't say one thing on one side saying we are the standard, right. we're the highest, and then lean back on well, other people said it was okay. Yeah, that that's just not the case for me. Um, I, I'm a little concerned to a certain degree, just personally. It, it's kind of whatever. I mean, I have my own personal opinions about this stuff, but my own personal concern. Um, it's, it's seen the the split already in the fan base of people saying like, who cares? Let's just win. I want to win. I mean, you can tell some people are kind of in their emotions about being left at the altar to yeah. a certain degree. It's the mixing uh, stuff all over again. Yeah. Right. And even just like the, the white, that wide receiver Bob brought in as well. I mean, I, I hope green back. Uh, yep. Yep. I, I hope we're not walking down that type of, of move, you know, moving forward. But, um, it just sucks. They have to have a really good answer for me to be fully on board with this guy. I'm going to cheer for OU. I'll be happy when they score right. touchdowns and stuff. Right. But in the back of my mind, the entire time, I'll be thinking, hopefully they can find another offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, and Brent Venables won the Broyles Award in 2016 for top assistant coach. Levy's been a semifinalist twice out of the last however many years. He brings a really fast-paced, spread-out, spread-wide offensive approach, but he also runs the ball a lot more than Lincoln Riley did, more of a power run, like kind of like Clemson, if you will, I guess, I suppose, a spread-power run team, which is kind of odd to think about. I mean, that's what people wanted Lincoln Riley to do for so long, and what he did do with Joe Mixon when he had the talent with Mixon and P. Ryan, which are both playing for Cincinnati right now. Uh, Steven, what, what is your experience? what are your expectations for this offense going forward into next year? And my follow-up question is this, is your QB Caleb Williams, Ralph Rucker or the field, <laughs> AKA uh, Taylor fucking Martinez. God, 
hopefully it's not Taylor Martinez, but uh, yeah, if you look at the offense, it's going to be more of a style that we saw maybe closer to 2017, as far as just being a team that they want to win up front. They want to win on the ground. And, and when you commit to stopping on the ground, they have a lot of speed on the outside where you can, you can throw outside. So um, I think style wise, you're going to see a lot less uh, finesse and it's going to be more in your face, and we'll take our, our shots downfield when you let us. So um, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I think OU's personnel fit it pretty well. Um, Quarterback-wise, I can't think of a better quarterback to fit that system than, than Caleb Williams being a dual threat. Um, obviously, there's maybe a little bit of question marks as far as his arm after the recent games. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's a system that he could succeed in, and I don't see why they couldn't keep Caleb Williams at this point. Uh, Baden, same questions. Uh, if we're just just talking about the offensive the scheme and fit of it all going faster. I mean, Lincoln averaged about sixty five to seventy snaps a game, uh, and Levy's just a quick look at it. Looks like he's closer to seventy five eighty. Uh, that's that's a lot to ask for your defense to be out there. Uh, I mean, to play that type of tempo, even though he's running a lot more, uh, that's still potentially asking your defense to, to do a lot more. Uh, I would have to have a, a longer, deeper dive into that kind of drop-off point of uh, Brent Venerables and his defenses historically, usually historically, certain defense will start dipping after certain play counts, and you try to pair those two together and, you know, the sabermetrics, yada, yada, nerd stuff. Um, it will be interesting to see how that goes if he tells him the, hey, we can't run 80 plays here. You know, we need to just be bigger, stronger, and run guys over. We need that, you know, lower that pitch count to a certain degree. Um, but, I mean, reading some of his old stuff and watching some of his old pressers and after Clemson wins uh, championship stuff, he's talking about, you know, I mean, get, getting your nose bloody, getting your hand in the dirt. You know I mean? That's, that's the type of stuff I hope OU kind of comes back to being um, because those early Bob Stoops teams, 20 to uh, 2000, 2008, they, they didn't really fuck around too much <laughs> I right, mean, to be honest right. with you. I mean, they, they kind of beat the shit out of people. Um, the, OU has not been able to capture that since then. Um, they've had some really good players, you know, Eric Stryker, stuff like that on defense. They've had some good guys, uh, Aaron Colvin. Uh, but I would never think you would, someone would roll into OU and think, nah, this is going to suck. You know, I, I, that doesn't seem to be the case. It's, OU has become a finesse team. Um, I just wonder how long it's going to take Brent to transform OU into that kind of Clemson's realm of things. Because even this year, it was kind of like, well, Clemson sucks. We're rotting them off. And they're still like the second or third best defense in the nation. Yep. So, I mean, it will be interesting to see what he can pull off at OU. And they came on pretty strong at the end of the year. Are you, are you taking Caleb Williams, Ralph Rucker, or the field for the quarterbacks? Oh, that part. Uh, my heart uh, says Caleb. My mind says uh, OU will, will have a uh, portal quarterback. <laughs> I have no idea who it's going to be. Yeah, I'm I'm under the assumption that Oklahoma will end up with somebody from the portal, uh, either unless Jeff Levy wants to bring somebody from Ole Miss, etc. Uh, I, I I have no idea. Taylor Martinez entered his name in the in 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 the transfer portal. Apparently, Kayvon Thibodeau skipping the bowl game, so uh, at least Eric Swenson won't die uh, in in Houston. <laughs> so that's good. Um, so Oklahoma is likely to retain. Most, if not all, of its offensive staff. We got Beatembo, Joe John Finley, DeMarco Murray, and of course, you got OU Lifer, who's like one of the really good friends with with Venables, which is Kale Gundy. Those guys are all like 
they've known each other for like so long. Uh, we waited the, for the defensive staff with guys like Tibbs, Jamar Kane, and Brian Odom. It looks like all those dudes are pretty much out. Uh, I mean, like we we talked about it I, I, as I was. I wrote this doc before all this went down, and it seems like everybody on defense is completely out. And so my question is, who is coaching this defense in the bowl game? I mean, Peyton, we talked about it before we started going live. Who's who's coaching this bowl game on the defensive side of the ball? You have no actual assistant coaches on the defense unless maybe Chip Viney is the guy. Yeah, Bob, that's probably going to coach something other than just being the head coach. But are, are you just going to throw a bunch of GAs out there and say good luck because they know all the calls? I think that's what's going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of GAs. They're going to have a uh, uh, a game to put on their resume now. <laughs> I think it's going to be a complete shit show of a ball game on both sides. I mean, Oregon seems like they're going to lose most of their staff if uh, Cristobal takes uh, takes mm-hmm. with him to Miami. It's, it's going to be... Uh, Full sicko uh, college football viewing um, uh, for me. <laughs> I think it's going to be wild. Uh, maybe Bob calls up Mike and says we need oh, you for a God. game. Oh, God. <laughs> Please, no. Please, no. We just lost like every uh, follower. Yeah. I know. No, I don't think. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, it's it's going to be like Chip Viney, stuff like that. They're going to bring some guys in, all the GAs. Uh, it's going to be fun for them, I guess. But uh, it, it's kind of – I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, who actually is coaching – uh, the defensive side of the football. <laughs> and it's interesting because if you think about it, I mean, Lincoln Riley, the guy won a bowl game as a GA coaching the offense when Mike Leach had that entire situation going down at Tech, which is just quite mm-hmm. interesting to think about as far as him getting that opportunity. And now you are giving several opportunities to guys on the defensive side of the ball that are grad assistants. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I guess we'll take it from there. Isn't, oh, who is the G on staff that always wears his jersey all the time? Will Johnson. Is Will Johnson still Will a GA? Johnson. Will Johnson can come in and coach a game. Isn't he still a GA at OU right now? Yeah. I Will think Johnson he is. I believe field. he is. So, I mean, like, that's one guy, right? But that, he that has to wear his guy. jersey while he's coaching. Yeah, we're also oh, doesn't count. Real. Doesn't count. Um, Steven, where the, where the hell is Drake? This guy, this guy was in oh Oklahoma God. City. I got, I got texts from friends the night of Brent Venables landing in Norman. They're like, "Hey, <laughs> Drake on the plane." They're like, "Hey, Drake's in Norman. You, you want to drive around? Just go fucking find Drake." And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't want to drive around <laughs> to go find Drake. But find Drake. Yeah. Wh- where, wh- where is he? He was in Oklahoma City for a random Thunder game to watch them get blown out." And he was a Norman and he just is random. He's, he's not there anymore. And the rumor was he was shooting a, a jump man, you know, commercial somewhere in Dallas and he hit a bouquet C along the way or something. I have no idea. Do we have any idea why Drake was in Norman and why Jake because Drake was in um, Oklahoma city on a random like weekend? I think he was there for someone's court case. If what I'm being told is true. There's someone's, I don't know if it's like a girlfriend or if it's just some like a close friend, something like that. Um, they had like a court case in OKC, and I think he was there to show his support. So I could be wrong, but I don't know. Um, low key, I, I was hoping that the plane would fly in and it would come down the runway and you'd see Drake in the co-pilot seat or something like that. That would have been amazing. 
but alas, I don't think Drake stayed more than two days. It was a little bit of a wild week as far as rumors go. Cause I mean, you have Drake in OKC and then you have the Michael Jordan rumors. He's over to Oak tree. So mm-hmm. um, it was kind of fun. I love following along with that. Nothing like champagne poppy pulling up for, 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 for a court <laughs> I had case. someone text me and they're like, Hey, I think you really need to reach out to like, uh, to Caleb Kelly. Cause I think they just shot a new jump man video and he was in it. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to DM <laughs> Caleb Kelly about a jump man video. Yeah. In, in all the rumors this week about OU unveiling possible gray uniforms, I, I would assume if they were gray, <laughs> they would be anthracite just like the basketball yes, teams, that, yeah, alternate, be, yeah. alternate uniforms. I mean, I would be down for that or to replace the, the yeah. those Rough Rider uniforms. I'd be oh, down yeah. for an anthracite kind of kind of look, but with white helmets, maybe because I don't know. Well, maybe I guess the crimson. If it's do a you think darker, they retire the uniforms just to get out of that Lincoln Riley era? I mean, they covered up his entire picture like purposefully that was amazing, yeah, with by the way. curtains today. So I would suggest yeah. anything with the stink of Lincoln Riley on it is going to be washed clean with like an SOS pad. So yes, <laughs> well, I, I guess think... maybe a better question would be, do they just get rid of alternates altogether or do they just get some new ones? Cause I tend to think they're just going to get rid of them now. Wasn't the rumor that Oklahoma had alternates ready to go for a while that were helped to, designed by like bake and stuff like that it, they just were never unveiled it, isn't that a rumor or is that a real thing or what they've they've attempted to add something and they just never got approval for it i believe is the, the story there hmm interesting who who even approve who even approves the uniforms well i think nike would design them and then they have to be approved by like so many people oh. in the eighties department. That's really lame. But it takes like a year. It's a one year process, I believe. So hmm, if you shoot something down, then you're just you're screwed. Yeah, well, talking talking about screwed. Right before we hit hit hopped on the podcast, uh, I was talking with Peyton, and so that's why I'm coming to you first, Peyton. We we don't even get a warning. We don't even get a. a I'm opening. I'm a reopening my commitment and waiting till the second signing day, or I'm reopening my commitment because it's not till December fifteenth, so it's nine days away from Gabriel Dindy. We, you just you just get the commitment flip from OU to A and M. OU loses out not not only on their highest rated recruit, uh, but also a legacy where both parents went to OU. He's got family in Norman and ends up at College Station now. Uh, who was, if Oklahoma was likely to end up in pods for the SEC, they would likely end up in a pod with A&M and Texas and Arkansas and maybe LSU, who knows? And so w- what is your reaction immediately to Gabriel Dindy is gone, other than the fact that likely means Tibbs is gone, along with, of course, Jamar Kane, who left earlier today as reported? Uh the immediate reaction was, man, that fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the third player in the nation, the number one defensive tackle. OU does not get those guys very often. Um, and, and for OU to even get Dindy, his, both his parents had to have gone to OU beforehand. Uh, so it, it was something that was more of in my mind that OU just has to hold on to this guy because 
these dudes don't grow on trees the same way that wide receivers do, the same way defensive backs can. Um, there's only so many big people on the planet who can move uh, the way that you need them to move to be a great defensive lineman. Um, so th- that was something when it happened, the announcements happened, uh, you know, in some of like the, the in and out stuff about over 10, maybe reclassifying. I was like, oh, man, oh, you defensive line is about to be nasty, straight nasty. Um, but now all that's gone. So I'm uh, respecting, <laughs> I'm recalibrating my expectations. Um, if it means that OU is, we, we can't tell the future, but if it means that OU is going to be in a better place in the future by establishing what Brent wants to do on the defensive side of, of, of the football, bring in his guys to help carry out that mission and that plan, uh, then I guess I just have to be okay with it. Like I can't on one hand say I want OU to be tough and strong and beat people up. And on the other hand, say, but please keep all the guys Lincoln got so we can get this one recurred. Right. You, you, I have to, I have to be, I have to, you know, put that in my mind and kind of battle that logic out and understand if, if, if Brent is the guy that I want him to be, he's going to be able to recruit those guys. He was able to get at Clemson at OU anyway. So you're going to be able to get some high level four-star guys, their offensive tackles, defensive linemen um, that will hopefully kind of a, uh, you know, lip rise, raise the tide of the entire defensive scheme and, uh, and defensive talent. I just hope that Ethan Downs is prepared to eat three Chipotle burritos for lunch, uh, breakfast and, and yes. dinner. Yeah. Uh, just, just nine burritos per day, uh, to bulk up because Oklahoma is going to need all the bodies they can get on the defensive side of the ball. And of course, like, I don't think we're under the guise. I mean, I, I think a lot of people me- thought, oh, you would immediately jump to the SEC. I I think it would be, a de- I thought it would be a delayed maybe a year. I think Oklahoma would stick around in the Big 12 for at least one more year before they jetted for the SEC. Uh, that seems more prevalent now, especially after what's gone on over the last, I guess, two weeks, I suppose. Uh, Steven, same same thing. I mean, what's your reaction to Dindy just just flipping to A&M and where does that put OU in the grand scheme of switching conferences right now and into next season? <laughs> uh, there's no really season after that. good way to sugarcoat the uh, the short-term effects. It's it's shitty. It sucks for OU fans. Um, it's a player that, 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 quite frankly, they've been wishing to get for six, seven years, uh, probably even longer than that. Um, and now he's gone at the, right before early signing day. So, um, it sucks, but at the same time, you look at why it happened probably because Calvin Thibodeau is just not going to come back. Um, they're not going to retain him. So you look at where they move next and it's a very intriguing move. And you kind of look at Brent Venable's relationship with a guy like Todd Bates at Clemson, who's, uh, maybe one of the best defensive line recruiters in the country at this point. Um, Obviously, got in Brian Brissy, Peyton Page, those kind of guys where there's those very high-end defensive tackles, those interior linemen. Um, so if they can pull something off like that, and I think they have the money to do it because he's making about 500000 right now. Um, you have to think that they're going to save a little bit of money going from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables pretty early on. Uh, maybe they can afford a guy like like Todd Bates and kind of bolster that defensive line short and faster than – many would expect and and so i guess my next question is and tim b mentions it in the chat and he says you know what about the defensive staff fires please tell me we didn't just lose recruits possibility of securing recruits without a plan in place 
I mean, it was pretty apparent from the very beginning that oh, if oh, you were to hire Brent Venables, that uh, Levy was the guy that was going to go with them. I mean, and then that he would be indeed hiring a defensive coordinator, like he reiterated today. And uh, then, of course, you have your strength and conditioning staff. So I'm going to come to you first, Stephen. What hire gets made next, and then which one is more important in your opinion? Uh, between the DC and staff or strength and conditioning, which one gets hired first and which is more important for Brent Venables and his purposes? Is it the DC and staff or is it the strength and conditioning staff just by sheer, the sheer idea of moving to the SEC, maybe not next year, but the following football season, considering how big those guys have to be for Brent Venables in this style of football, they're going to have to play. Yeah, I think, uh, I think who gets hired first, I'll go with a defensive coordinator. Um, I think that's a little bit easier of a hire for Venables because he might already have an idea of what he wants there. Um, and I think, you know, it might be a younger guy. It might be someone he's already coached with. Uh, maybe it's someone at Clemson that he's, he's liked working with. So um, it's easier to get that going than it is to get a strength and conditioning coach. But I'll say at the end of the day, the strength and conditioning coach is going to be what makes you or breaks you at this point? Because you saw OU this year and their lack of physicality, um, at some points, lack of speed. And you kind of go back to Benny Wiley and a lot of those complaints where they don't really work on those type of things. And then the SEC, they're just going to get beat up. So um, I think the strength and conditioning hire is going to be key. I don't think the defensive coordinator hire is going to be a, as big of a deal because you have Venables there. And he can pretty much steer the ship for the first two, three years. So I'll go with strength and conditioning as important. Uh, Peyton, same question to you. Which which one gets happened? Which one happens first, DC staff or strength and conditioning staff? And which one is more important in your opinion for Brenton Venables at this time, anyways? I, I think the DC. I think DC gets hired first, just because I, I think. You know, I think he has someone in place. In my mind, it's probably Bates. He gets a title promotion uh, to to DC, uh, and and they run everything through through that way. I think that's probably the bet. Just I don't have any insider information about it, but just seeing what just makes the most sense. Um, I, I think that's probably where he goes. Uh, I think that's an extremely important position for them. I mean, he's hired. I mean, if if the rumors are true, if Josh if Josh uh, Josh M tweeted out doesn't seem like they're holding on to any of the defensive staff. You've got to have that stuff in place because how fast recruiting goes and how fast all that happens. 2023 Mm -hmm. is basically next week (laughs) to a certain degree. You got to have all this stuff ready too. Um, So I think that's probably will happen with strength and conditioning. If I were to put a bet on everything, I think Levy is probably the first hire and then you get the DC guy coming in. Uh, That would be my guess. Um, uh, But I, I will reiterate. I mean, I, I'm a big, uh, big dumb meathead. So I think strength and conditioning is the most important part uh, of a football team. I mean, they're with the these guys are with the football team year round. I mean, coaches can only be with them x amount of months out of the year. Your strength and conditioning coach is the guy who's there the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the one giving the reports. They're the one coaching. They're the one putting through drills and stuff like that. I mean, they're carrying out the vision in which the head coach has. Um, and if you're not, you don't have a guy in place there. Uh, it just doesn't work out the same way. I mean, and I hate saying this stuff because it's it, it. I sound like every other single college football fan every time there's a new head coach. 
and I'm like, you know, hey, I hear they're flipping tires this week. We didn't do that under Lincoln, you know, stuff like that. Like, right. I don't want to sound like the, the idiot fan, but um, it is super important to have that stuff in place. Um, I mean, just look at maybe it is kind of a thing of like Brent's coming back and now we have a better appreciation for him. I mean, look at down at A&M. None of those dudes look like they're little kids running around. Mm-hmm. I mean, Schmitty has them built up <laughs> and maybe it's a little bit of a buyer's remorse looking back at it to a certain degree. And, and maybe it's the same thing as Brent. They both just needed to start somewhere else. But OU is going to be bigger, needs to be bigger. I don't think we had a defensive lineman over 300 pounds. Um, and that, that's got to change walking into the SEC where everyone is it, it's just kind of – it's a it's a road grinder every single every single game. You just have to have the size to deal with it. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned is really important to acknowledge is that, like you just said – the offensive coordinators, the, all, the coaching staff that actually, you know, they draw up the X's and the O's and they're the ones that communicate with the players. They only have a select amount of time. They're able to actually interact with the coaches, whereas the strength and conditioning staff, they're with those guys year round. Uh, those are the guys that they actively work with all of the time. And so, I mean, that, that that's important to acknowledge. And what you know in coming back to what tim b said in the chat as as far as you know he's saying you know please tell me we didn't just lose recruits the possibility of securing recruits without a plan in place i mean this is the nature of college football these days a coach leaves and no matter how fast brent brent venables would have addressed a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator you still would have had kids decommit because a lot of times kids decommit not to programs these days, unless you're Alabama, Alabama recruits, they are not necessarily going for Nick Saban. Now, are they going for Alabama in the aspect of coaches that that knowing that they know that they're putting guys in the NFL? Yes. Are they going strictly for Nick Saban? Hell no. Nick Saban is not a fan of recruiting. He's old school. He's an old school head coach. They're going to Alabama because they've got the best coaches, but they also they're going to Alabama because they know they can go to the NFL that way. And so, regardless of what OU would have done, regardless if Brent Menables had like not only Brent Menables walked off that plane with not just himself, but with an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, a strength and conditioning staff. Not if, if even if he walked off that plane with his entire new staff ready to sign their contracts, you still would have had defections not just from the current team which are guys transferring out but guys decommitting from this class as well that's totally normal and that's just the way cultural all is these days and it goes both ways i mean you've had guys leaning clemson for the longest time that are now leaning oklahoma you've had you have guys that are hitting up oklahoma guys as we speak as far as the transfer portal i mean like from clemson and guys interacting with each other and those those are very normal things in the idea that you have that one time transfer rule, which is almost like college football free agency these days. Uh, that's just the way it is, and it's it's not the early two thousands anymore. Uh, summer practices are not optional; they are certainly uh, well, well. I mean, they they can't make them mandatory, but they are uh, voluntold what they need to be doing during the summer, and they show up for their summer workouts, and so. Oklahoma's going to have kids portal out, but also people come along that follow Lubby, uh, Venables, and whoever else. Uh, and so just in general, I guess, Stephen, 
What is your take on what this team looks like next year as far as performance? Do you think they're a very gritty team that wins nine to ten games in the in the Big Twelve? Are they? What is this team next year? I mean, like we're still figuring out who the quarterback's going to be and who the wide receivers <laughs> are going to be. You know, the tight ends and the offensive line are likely staying intact, but that's all you really know, other than. Danny Stutzman staying at linebacker and a couple of other guys and the younger guys that are from Oklahoma that are okay preps. But in your opinion right now, not knowing who exactly is going to stay. What's your opinion of this, this, this team next year in the big 12? <laughs> I mean, like uh, as long too. as they're in the big 12, they're going to have a chance to win it. Um, just on talent alone. You look at uh, some of the guys that are retaining. They're very familiar with the big 12 teams they've played. So that kind of is, is an asset in that regard. But um, I mean, you just look at the talent across the board. Yeah. You're losing something, but if you get Caleb Williams back, I mean, there's no reason you can't just go out and win a big 12 championship next season. Um, especially I think OSU is probably going to lose quite a bit of people. Um, Texas, we don't even know what Texas is going to look like in two or three years from now, but um, really the only team standing in the way, I guess next year would be Baylor. And, and I mean, that's, that's if Aranda doesn't take the Oregon job. Right, right. Just so, never got around to signing that extension. If, that, that happens <laughs> all the time. If uh, if you're in the Big 12, you are going to be a contender for the uh, the Big 12 championship. Peyton, same question. That changes. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think like what that over-under is going to be, like that win total uh, for next year. If Caleb stays, I think that's probably like nine and a half. I think Oh, he's going to take a hit. I think it was 11 this year, like something mm-hmm. kind of really, really high and crazy. Yeah. Um, I think OU is going to be probably a nine win team more than likely. There's going to get, they're going to get dropped. It's, it's new schemes across the board. It's new talent across the board. There'll be, there's going to be a talent drain. You're going to be portaling guys in. Um, it's really hard to make all those pieces fit together in one off season. Uh, so I think there's going to be a natural uh, decline. Now, if Caleb stays and he actually progresses and, and Levy uh, turns out to be a, a QB coach and has a more QB friendly system than what, you know, Riley half-assed dragged out there this year, maybe we do see OU competing for 10, 11 wins. I mean, I, that, that could happen. The defense, the defense is maintaining a decent amount of talent, um, and I think just a general attitude change can help them out. I mean, every single time you you watched OU give up a single play, you could almost feel every single defensive player just get tight. Like it's like, oh no, it's happening again. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe if Brent's there, that doesn't happen. Maybe there's a different type of tone and tenor to the team that um, allows them to overcome some of those mental hurdles that they've. To be, to be honest with you, haven't really cleared too often uh, under Grinch and under Riley. So, I mean, I, I see a team that's going to struggle offensively, and I see a team that uh, should fight really hard. Um, the one thing I'm looking forward to is being able to watch a fo- OU football game with not much expectations uh, and have fun and just watch the game uh, without feeling like, oh, no, the national title, it's slipping from our hands. You know, right. I, I should just be able to be just a pure fan next year um, and just enjoy what's happening. And that's what I mentioned after after all this went down. I, I you know, especially with Brent Venables being the guy that kept on being brought up. I think this team next year is going to be a very very scrappy team, a team that is going to be as physical as they can be, and a team that's going to muddy the waters a lot for a lot of other teams in order to win some games. 
I mean, by no means is OU going to be a poverty program. They're going to be bowl eligible. They'll be fine on that front. But it's just really interesting to think about what the possibilities for this team is. Like Billy Bowman, is he going to stick around? Um, you, of course, you know, Ethan Downs is sticking around. You love to see Danny Stutzman come out and say he's going to stick around. Woody Washington and pretty much the entire secondary seem pretty down with staying at OU. Uh, Oklahoma at the at, at probably the most wrong time is losing Isaiah Thomas, Perry and Winfrey, most likely Jalen Redmond. And so you're gonna have to have a lot of guys step up and you're, you'll probably be portaling in some defensive line guys on, on, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, like, heck you, you look at the, you look at wide receivers. I mean, you got Hazelwood gone. You've got the Elise gone. You had, uh, the other one gone for hitting somebody in the face with a gun. Allegedly Spencer Bridges. Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler is uh, likely to end up at UCLA and in an offensive line where, I mean, like they haven't been the best. They haven't, they, they, they re- really have not been good this year. I don't know if it's the scheme that they're struggling with. If they're, if they're just so young that they're struggling with, who knows? Um, but Oklahoma is likely to have Eric Gray. Uh, Oklahoma is going to have a couple of really talented freshman running backs in the, in the class. And along with a possible transfer, who knows? And apparently they're going to have a, they're apparently they're going to have a shit ton of tight ends because Joe John Finley keeps on to his recruits. So they're going to have what <laughs> three tight ends and Drake stoops. If they don't retain Marvin Mims and Mario in, in, in Mario Williams too. I mean, Mario Williams is another name that people need to keep an eye on as well. And so I think this team is going to be scrappy as hell, uh, considering a what they all experienced, b uh, a total cultural shift as far as what the team is going to be about. And so that begs the next question, which is after you know the plane landed. Of course, you saw the rest of the nine teams in the Big Twelve, which is really weird to say. The rest of the nine teams in a conference that sh- conference that should have 12, 12 members, uh, you saw the rest of them suggesting that Oklahoma fans acting like Jesus Christ himself is landing at an airport, <laughs> and that there were several folks suggesting that Oklahoma wanted to get rid of Venables several years ago. And that fans were acting as as now as as he's a savior despite his departure returning to lead the Sooners in future years. And I got into like a discussion yesterday about, you know, I said how Venables has had the hearts of Oklahomans for many years. Um, and this person said, really, because Oklahoma wanted to fire this guy a long time ago. But a, I mean, what, what is, what is your opinion on all of that stuff? Because in my opinion, when Brent Venables left, I was like pretty upset about it. I was like, okay, cool. They're getting Mike to help him out. I mean, the deep and like we were, we, we were over here bitching about a top 50 defense. And then that's something that obviously cost at Oklahoma cost Oklahoma at least one national title later on down the, down, down the, down the line. If you just hung out, hung on for a few more years. And so what are our overall thoughts about people suggesting, Oh, well, like, you wanted him gone nine years ago and now he's back and suddenly he's a savior. What's your opinion on that? And so Peyton, what is your opinion on that? What, what, what would you say to those people that are suggesting, well, you wanted the guy fired 10 years ago. Why do you, why, why is it such a big deal that he's back and why are you acting like he's a savior of the program? Well, one, I would say keep Oklahoma's name out of your mouth. 
uh, two. <laughs> that was then. This is now. I mean, nine years, that's a decade. I mean, you could you expect someone to say, hey, a decade ago, you didn't like that guy. Now you do. I mean, it's not like it's next week. I mean, times change. People right. grow. He showed up and went to Clemson and showed what he could do at another place. It wasn't just a Bob thing. I mean, there were some people who you could say, hey, is Brent really all that? Or is he just under the tutelage of this great other defensive coordinator who became, who became the head coach of Oklahoma? You know, and he went to his own place, um, you know, and spread his wings and basically saved Davo's job uh, and then went to won two national championships that way. I mean, there, there is a there are other things that happened, obviously, but there's a, there's a direct shift between before Venerables and after Venerables uh, was hired at Clemson that you can see an immediate improvement across the board. Um, that that type of stuff is just people cosplaying. I, I've been saying that word a lot, that little term a lot. It's people who've been cosplaying the downfall of OU. They are standing at the gates of Rome. They are seeing smoke and they're mm-hmm. ready to storm and take take it, you know, tear everything down to the studs because it's like finally the monster's dead. And they and OU made a hire. They they didn't go out and make the big splashy hire. They didn't go out and try to hire like you know. John Payton or something, or like you know, go hire some uh, Urban Meyer or something crazy like that. Oh, you did what they always do. They made a sensible, smart football hire, and I think everyone's kind of thinking, ah, "Damn, they made a sensible, smart football hire." Okay, what else can I do to to tease these guys? <laughs> you know, if they, if they would have hired some some big name, it could be like, "Oh, great, you're about to have a lot of controversy. This dude's going to leave leave in two years. This and this and this." Mm-hmm. Oh, you just made a, a really smart, sound football hire. I think the only thing you can now can trash OU people for, trash them for, is you didn't like them then, you like them now, or Brent isn't going to be transformative, and he's just a good football coach. That's it. So get ready to look at nine and three for the rest of your for the rest of your fandom. To me, those are only two things you can do, and I don't think either of them ring um, all that honest. To be honest, uh, and. When I think about it, I, I I think about this. I mean, it, it's people found out that the grass clearly isn't always greener, and they found out really quickly that the grass isn't always greener. And to suggest that, like, well, all OU fans suggest this, like, there was yes, the 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 loudest part of the fan base wanted Brent Venables gone. Does that mean that's indicative of the entire fan base? No, it doesn't mean that's it was indicative of the entire fan base because I, I I'll be honest, I was very disappointed when I found out that Brent Venables was leaving to take their to the the Clemson job, and and I think a lot of people were too. And I think for me, it's doesn't it doesn't just signal the fact that Brent Venables is coming back and that he's, he's not, he's not like he's the savior of OU football, but I do think it marks a total shift in what the program is about. I think that Lincoln Riley was an elite recruiter. I think he was elite, uh, an elite team builder as far as putting pieces together with stars next to their name. But I think he was a really, really shitty uh, program builder. I think he was a really shitty culture builder. I think a, a lot of those things matter. I mean, you think you think Alabama is lacking culture? You think Clemson's lacking culture? You think Ohio State's lacking culture? No, none of those teams are. All those teams are very good at recruiting, but they also have their cultures in place. And I think Brent Venables is a guy, and that's why I'm hopeful that they're, they'll get some rainmakers, the, those guys that can get those recruits in, 
because not only would it be a cultural uh, and program shift as far as ideologies from what they're concerned, it's also a player shift in mindset. So, Steve, Stephen, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, going back to the people suggesting that uh, he was just like ran out of town. I don't think that's that's true. That's a very loud minority, if you will. Um, Brent's always been a guy that kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. We saw it last night. Um, he, he wanted to stay at OU. Yeah, he's a very, very authentic guy. Um, I don't think he knows how to fake anything. Uh, you know, him getting off the plane, smiling, engaging with fans. But if you could even go farther back, I mean, look how he treated the Austin Box scenario. The, that was something that I heard a lot of people, but you could see that Brent really, really cared about Austin Box, um, cared about his players around him and kind of rallied everyone to be better and, and kind of think of uh, these players as people and not just, you know, guys in jerseys and helmets and that kind of stuff. So he wasn't ran out of town. That's just hearsay. Um, as far as the hire, I love it. Um, I don't think he, they would have made the hire, you know, at back in 2012 as a head coach because Brent just wasn't there yet. But now, you know, nine nine years later. So um, he's a guy that's grown quite a bit. Um, he's been under guys that have won multiple championships. He's built a defense that, I mean, is arguably one of the best in the decade. So um, I think it's a great hire. I don't think um, people are really looking at it as a guy that fits the program. They're just like, Oh, okay. You know, you hired another unproven head coach. Here we go. Here's the downfall of OU. Um, it's a recipe that succeeds, and I think it's going to succeed again um, faster than people believe. Is it going to be weird to see an OU coach on the sideline that is not a visor guy anymore and that's more of a hat guy? That's going to be a very, very hard thing for people to uh, to see. I think you get one last visor game with Bob on the sideline. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I'm and hoping so Bob pulls out a cigar, though. Like mid game, just smokes it. He just got the rock and roll tequila. Yeah, with a yeah. little with that rock and roll tequila <laughs> in the middle of the game. Like, you know, the points, everything's made up. The points don't matter. I mean, we're, we're playing. He's already in the Hall of the Fame. Game. They can't take it back. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, he's, he's getting inducted. What? What tonight? Tomorrow? Right? Tomorrow? tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yep. And so, I mean, kudos to him for the hell of a career and the guys going on like big noon, whatever Sunday, whatever the hell they call it on Fox. And, uh, what's in it over there gave him a headset and OU visor that was really funny and special uh, and I imagine Bob's going to be able to soak it all in and uh, according to some other people is really taking this practice these bowl practices like with a very serious approach as far as like yo we still got a game like I don't know why some of y'all might be like lollygagging around or just pussyfooting around uh, <laughs> there's still a game to be played and the other, of course, the other team just lost their head coach, too. And I imagine there's going to be several high-profile players that sit out from that game, which I think gives actually OU a chance, considering that Caleb Williams is going to play and not going to have to run for his life as much with Kayvon Thibodeau uh, exiting that uh, and just going to the NFL. But before we get out of here, I'd like to thank Peyton for joining us for the podcast tonight. Peyton, tell us, because you were on other platforms as well. Tell us where we can find your stuff and tell us why we should go and buy your stuff. Cause I subscribe, but tell us why we should all, all subscribe and find your stuff. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm one of the co-hosts for Through the Keyhole. Uh, it's a podcast about uh, OU football, same as this. It's a fan-run podcast. Uh, our good friend Brady Trantham started it. Uh, he's kind of had to pass that torch as he now works for the man. Uh, yeah, right there. And now that he works for OU, he had to uh, pass that on. Uh, I was able to pick it up and try to run with it. Um, you can subscribe for free on all your Apple stuff or however you find podcasts. Uh, we have a weekly uh, podcast that's free. But on top of that, we also have a page, uh, Patreon uh, through the keyhole. Um, that, that's stuff you see, uh, tape breakdowns of games, tape breakdowns of what to expect. Uh, we're going to have some stuff up there on Brent Venerables on his defenses since he's been at Clemson, what to expect him to try to bring to OU of the types of roster that we have, and uh, just a lot of different written content um, that we have that I produce. Uh, and we try to be as insider insider types as we can be. Uh, it being behind a paywall kind of allows us to say, hey, here's what we're hearing a little more freely uh, than just tossing it out into the wild. Um, so just come by, join in. Um, just start, start off first on the podcast. And if you guys like the, the stuff we talk about, throw us a few bucks. You can get some other stuff, um, like I said, written stuff, other podcasts, and some video reviews, man. It's, it's uh, pretty cool overall. Um, you know, we've got some cool guys doing it. I've got uh, some off-season podcasts I've got lined up. Um, that will be hopefully be pretty interesting. Um, and I don't know, I, I've never done this before. Um, this is like my second month of trying to figure out how to do these things. So I, I'm trying my best <laughs> and I, I throw myself upon the, the feet of your mercy to help us keep it going. Well, any last parting words, fellas, Steven, Peyton, what do you guys think? Any, any last parting words before we end the podcast? Uh -huh. I'm a little intrigued on how they, they use the transfer portal a little bit. So that'll be something I'm sure we'll talk about as the staff kind of gets put together. I think that's something that'll be very interesting to see, especially once January rolls around uh, after this first national signing day. I think it's going to be very intriguing to see because I, I mean, of course, like anybody else, I expect the, the full staff to be in place uh after you know near that second sign of course by that second signing day i'm very curious to see who's going to be in that transfer portal and who's going to be here for the summer and spring etc because it's going to be a big deal and uh it's, it's gonna it, and i'm very curious to see who portals out because i don't think OU's done with people portaling out um yep. but i digress but anyways Follow us on Crimson and Cream Machine.com, y'all. Uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at, at CC Machine. If you're watching us live, you can see our ads on our screens. You can see, you can follow me, Kami Robin at K Robin and CCM. You can follow Steven at OU Updated SB. You can follow Peyton at, at Peyton Glenn. Um, you guys can, you know, I'll drop the Discord link right in the bio of this podcast. And for those that joined us, we had like, what, 20 something people in here at one time. And, people commenting um thanks for joining us um and we'll check you guys later